Welcome to Hope Beyond the Badge, a podcast that brings awareness, inspiration, and conversation together for first responders, families, and others interested in mental well-being in first response. New episodes weekly with your hosts, Jay Bailey and Linda Kokoros. Jay is a father, a military veteran, worked in the fire service for 18 years, and carries a diagnosis of PTSD. Linda is a mom, a wife, a certified life coach for first responders, and a suicide loss survivor of a first responder. Let's talk about it. Welcome back to part two of our interview with canine officer Billy Cushing and Fire Lieutenant Freddie Viola. In this installment, they continue to take us on a journey sharing their experiences with trauma, stress, loss, support, courage, and the process of healing with new purpose. At the end of part one, Billy was beginning to tell us about a shooting incident that occurred while he and fellow officers attempted to serve a warrant. If you haven't yet listened to part one, we encourage you to do so. For those of you that have, let's pick up where we left off. I was telling a, a story to another close friend that hopefully I never have to go through that again. And then 14 months later, it's the same thing. We went down to serve a warrant at a, a local motel, and um, the shit hit the fan pretty quick. And um, one of my closest friends um, ended up getting shot. So that was, uh, that was a tough one. That was 14 months after the first one. So I'm not even recovered from the first one. And then you step in it again. So that was, thankfully, he recovered. And, um, yeah, that, was, that sucked, that whole thing. But I think we what had the... What does suck uh, mean? Um, just going through that again, the mix yeah. of emotions. And then, um, thankfully, we had the right guys there. That Luckily for... The shootings that I've been in, I've had the right people there. It's kind of like the stars were aligned. You had the right people. Like, if you were going to pick who you wanted there, those people were there. And that night, we had the right people there. And um, we Did it ever go through your head? I'm friggin' doomed here. Like, no, or, that's like another thing. I, my father, I would be like, why the hell is this happening to me? And he, his words were, because you can handle it. Yeah. That, yeah. Was, uh, that was it, because you can handle it. Yeah, you're, there, you're in those positions for a reason. Right. So yeah. that was, um, yeah, that's, that was the mindset I can handle it. Cause I, I would say to myself, like, what the hell? I'm sitting there not sleeping. Like why? Like this is, I always say like, I could, I would love to go back to the day before in 2016 just to see how I felt then. And just, to, just to see how it is. Because as a new cop, you look up, you, regardless if people want to admit it or not, new cops look up to people that have been in shootings and you're like, I wonder how I will, you see it on the news too. Like you'll see something be like, I wonder how I would have reacted if I was at, such and such an incident or that incident, and you kind of, like, look up to those guys, and then when you're actually the guy that does the shooting, you're like, what the hell did I ever want to put myself in that, that yeah. for? Like, yeah. for what? Like, it's like a, um, like a weight that's just, it's like a rain cloud that follows you around for the rest yeah. of your life. You yeah. know, some of the things that happened after the fact, uh, one of the officers is no longer with us. Yeah. Um, he had a battle a with uh, alcoholism after that, it, that hit him hard. And uh, so on top of um, 
the not officer. being supported. Yeah, also. we we were right. dealing with the the group of us that were dealing with what happened that night at the motel. We're also dealing with the loss of a coworker within a year and a half. So that was um, it had to be really hard. Yeah. I remember yes. having um, one of the conversations that we had to like, just to sort of iron it out. Like again, we're closer than friends, right? So, yep. and I just remember saying, you know, I it doesn't really, it's not a normal human response to kill another human, right. whether you're in an official capacity or not. Yeah. Um, that's what murderers and psychos do, right? So. Yeah. A normal mind, yeah, like a normal mind can't process that in any normal fashion. So to have that on weighing on him and then, yep. the, you know, it just, it was infuriating to me because I was watching him suffer. And, right. you know, that's, it, it's just not normal to see. And I don't think people understand that either, you know, on the news and you know, these groups and they don't understand, like no officer wants to go to work and do that. Right. Ever. No. Ever. And if they do, maybe they shouldn't be doing it. <laughs> but but most of the guys want to just go home. And that's yeah. – and girls, I should say. Sorry. But the, you know what I mean? It's just um, – that's a take from someone who's not, you know, not law enforcement, but someone who is public safety but also has someone close enough that, you know, I – it's that's my take on it. I just don't. I don't think people understand that that's not a human response, a normal human response. And to to you need to work that stuff out. Yeah. You need to be supported to work that stuff out Absolutely. from from the Absolutely. the administration and the chief. Absolutely. Like these guys get these you know bugles and badges and stars, and they completely forget about people. Mm-hmm. Right? It becomes a budget. It becomes a. Yep political game it becomes you know what can i buy what kind of truck am i going to buy in the fire department i don't i'll never get that and the, you know and then the, you know how many you know how many, what, what color should i letter my cruisers and they forget about the people that are moving that stuff and the people who are doing that job every day i the hope husband. that i hope that i never get that to that level ever yeah. you know? the husband the father the son yeah right um the daughter um that they're human beings they take off that uniform and they're people just like me right and just normal and they have feelings and um and need to be also supported through all of that yeah 100 percent. yeah that support's so important whenever anybody's going through something like that and i think you're right i think the good people need need support and guidance in the aftermath um during suffering or for sure under the circumstance you're talking about and administrative betrayals like one of the top uh, in it those is, grin class they it talk it about it, like it, it impacts especially our culture, the, the rescuer personality, first responders. Um, you know, we it's not like need to be told that you're doing a good job, but uh, given the nature of our interaction with the community, uh, administrative support seems to be really important. Yeah. And I think about, you know, moving forward with some of the, you know, critical incident stuff and the, and the, the therapies and whatever it is, like, wouldn't you as a municipality or even as an administrator want a healthy staff, a healthy crew? Yeah. Right? Like, that Absolutely. would be... Absolutely. You want them to run on the treadmill. You want them to be in shape to be able to chase bad guys or put out fires. But then when this stuff happens in the mental side, you're almost accusatory in some, place, in yeah. some ways. Not all of them. And I, and I don't mean that to sound so negative all the time, but... I'm also uh, a trustee on the retirement board for the town of Braintree. And when you get a PTSD case, 
you know, we have to, we have to analyze it, right? We're governed by laws, so we have to kind of mirror that, and hopefully that, um, you know, everything adds up. And then we have to put these poor people through three doctors to tell the story over and over and over again. And then if we approve you, you got to just wait for the state to approve you too. And it's just, uh, you know, and going to the conferences and stuff, I listen and, you know, the, the, the biggest thing, um, what do you call it, emerging issue what, uh, a couple of years ago was PTSD, retirements, and things like that because of the military hires. Some of these guys are coming into the job already with a little notch out, you know, like a little bit of a... little baggage. Yeah, I don't, you know, I don't want to... I don't want, I don't know what to call it, but they come yeah. in almost damaged, and 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 then they have to go and see this in a war situation or in a in a deployment, or it's it's you against them. It's your your mindset, your training, and all that stuff is is we're gonna shoot and we're gonna be shot at, right? Not normal, definitely gonna mess you up. Yeah. But then when you come back to the civilian side and you see some of the damage that's done to humans on the civilian side, whether it's gunshots or accidents or it's just yeah. not. You got to process that now, and you're saying to myself, "You're saying to yourself, whoa, you know, like, I just, uh, I, I'm not, I don't even know where I'm going with this part of the conversation, but I just like, I'm trying to like, normalize to people that this, this is not normal for us to say. It's not, you know, and and it's, uh, it's a problem, and we need to try to correct it, and get it to a point where we can, everybody can. Retire with that golden parachute. You know what I mean? And, and still and be have, healthy. And still have a good life after. And, you know, yes. that's, that's my goal anyway. And, yeah. you know. Yeah, I think that, Freddie, what you're touching on is, like, you know, the trauma of the job, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and PTSD and all the other stuff that goes along with the depression, alcohol, divorce, infidelity, all that stuff, anger, you name it. Right, it, it it sort of goes along with the job. I did not look over at Jay yes, at that you time. Did. You <laughs> did. I just saw it. <laughs> but I didn't mean to. I was also, I was asking you to throw something else in there, no, whatever. It, whatever know, it's it's good. it didn't make me angry. Okay. No, it's as simple as the pain pleasure principle, right? So you have pain, and how do you get rid of pain by pleasuring, right? And whatever that pleasure may be, alcohol, drugs, yeah, sex, you yeah. know, absolutely, you know, whatever. And you, so you're trying to find that balance, and some people just go one way over to one way to, to get rid of all the pain. Yeah. And you know what I mean? And I just think... But if this, if this is known, right, known in your departments that you're going to, you're a police officer, you're a firefighter, you're a first responder of whatever category that you're in, you're going to experience trauma in yeah, your no, career. No doubt. No doubt about it. No doubt. Right, it's it's not a matter of if; it's a matter of when and how you're going to ha- be able to handle you, it. You could pick any call from fire or police in one day: Weymouth, Braintree, yeah, Duxbury, Plymouth. Pick those calls up and throw a council on aging member <laughs> in the middle of that, or a civilian off the street, and just let them go through that. That's going to be traumatic for them. Like us, we we're, we're kind of messed up already when we when we accept these jobs and we sort yeah. of, we sort of graduate and get used to it and yeah. and you know it still does take a toll. I'm not laughing at it, but I'm just yeah. saying like the but if you know I'll give you an example. My wife was on Route Three the other night and there was a guy that went by her the wrong way. Well, and she was inconsolable on the phone. Couldn't drive. Couldn't talk. And 
we're like, uh, kind of, we see stuff like that all the time. We see the aftermath of that. We see the accident pot where some innocent person just got ripped apart because some idiot wants to be, you know, wants to make a statement or whatever he wants to do. And that, that again, not normal, right? Yeah, it's not normal it's, for it's, us. It's not. It's not, uh, it's not normal for you to see that, right? No. It's, it's not. And it's okay it's, to be messed up. Yeah, from it. it's and okay to not be okay, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. And to to be able to get help. So having said that, can I get back into Billy? Because sure. we have we have another incident, yes. right? June 4th, 2021. Yeah, let's talk about that. Uh, Friday afternoon, I am home, and I get called in. For, uh, the dispatcher calls me and says that there's a domestic in the, the mail party fled. Uh, it's an apartment complex in Braintree. So I didn't, th- that was all the information I had. So I f- get dressed, put Kit in the cruiser, and start heading to that call. As I'm driving there, it's a couple miles away from my house. The call, which was, yeah, domestic, he fled. It started like almost like ramping up. He had a firearm. He has two firearms. He ran in a wooded area. That area where he allegedly ran into, I've been in one other time, and it's so thick in there. It's a swamp. It's thick brush. You can't see your hand in front of your face. So because of that, I requested two cover officers to respond with me when we entered the wood line. So thankfully I did because that's going to play a, a huge role in what happens. So we end up heading into the woods looking for this suspect. Uh, Kit is on a 15-foot dog leash. We enter the wood line. A couple hundred yards in, there's a, about a four-foot rock. All of a sudden, Kit jumps over this rock makes contact with the suspect in his chest and immediately I hear gunfire three shots three quick shots kit comes flying back I knew he was hit and now probably about five feet away this guy is standing I don't even have my firearm drawn yet because you're usually as a canine guy canine guys controlling the dog and watching the dog your cover officers are your cover officers so this person is standing up with his firearm five feet away from me just pointed right at me and I was like oh fuck so draw my firearm we just start hammering each other with rounds it was no everyone's like oh yeah did he have prior uh training it's like no but if you're five feet in front of someone and point the gun like you're you're bound to hit someone if there's a person standing in front of you so that happens the two dudes I was with are great thank god they were with me they start uh throwing rounds down range at this guy and we're just you know just hammering the trigger and I go to reload my gun goes into lockback I go to reload and my three shootings with the, the I told you guys that I wouldn't change the people that were there there was no it's not like the movies where people like screaming at each other there was none of that it was literally talking how we're talking right here there's no people like really it was like that me? yeah there was no yelling no panic no nothing and my gun went into lockback and I Dickie Seibert was right next to me and I said um, I went to reload and uh, I go I can't reload and he goes what this is during a gunfight and he's like what's the matter and I looked down and I was like my my fucking arm just got blown off it looked like my arm was blown off so Dickie just keeps keeps shooting and then I had my gun holding my gun and I could see the life like leaving my hand my hand started opening up and then my gun just dropped out of my hand I was losing so much blood that I was basically dying in the woods so then I fell to the ground, and that's when, like, all this stuff started happening. Like, I don't claim to be a tough guy. I'm not a tough guy, but I knew if I 
panicked I was going to make things 10 times worse. So I tried to slow everything down and control my breathing. So I had a chance to get the hell out of there. All I could think of was my two kids were so young. If I die in this shitty woods here, they're not even going to know anything about me. They'll hear a couple stories from my friends, but they're not even going to. They're so they were two. My daughter turned two years old the day before I got shot, and then I had a six-month-old. So too young to know what dad's about. Oh. So that was my my thing to like keep this together and um, get out of this woods alive. So Dicky Cybert is a combat medic, and he applied a tourniquet in a matter of seconds, and that's what saved me. I would have been, I would have bled out in the woods if it wasn't for Dicky. So. Um, Matt ended up, Matt Donahue ended up getting hit once in the arm and the round went out his back. So we, now comes the thing of getting me out of the woods. And this is, I'm going in and out of consciousness. They're telling me to stay awake. And the things I remember coming out of the woods was, I knew I was in tough shape. I didn't know the extent of it, but they put me on a backboard and guy, you can hear the yelling and people are on the radio. Where are they? Where are they? Like, they're trying, to, they're trying to get trying to, to get to us. Yeah. And um, so they put me on the backboard. The guys are uh, trucking me out of the woods. Like, that must have been a job in itself, um, getting me out of the woods. But I remember being on the backboard, and I saw – this is going in and out of consciousness. I saw one of my friends um, off to the side. He wasn't carrying me. He was off to the side. And he had this look. I describe it as uh, losing the biggest game of his life, like his face. So I remember laying there on the on the backboard, and I was looking at him like, okay, he's – he looks like he's in rough shape, like maybe this isn't, isn't good. Distraught, like very distraught. Yeah, right? yeah. He was just, uh, I could just tell by his face. So then they get me out and I see the ambulance and then another one of my friends and coworkers is opening up the door to the ambulance and he was falling, crying. So then that was when I was like, fuck. Like if he's, if he's crying this bad, yep. like this can't be freaking good. And I just remember a couple of my other friends yelling at, one of them was slapping me in the face like, just like you picture, like, stay with us. Like, yeah. it was just, um, it was a shit show, like, yeah. complete shit show. Like, that was when I, when I saw him crying, I thought, I knew it was bad. And then I see him open the door, losing it. Then I knew, like, this is going to be, this isn't good. Yeah. So it was like the, I think it was the quickest ride um, to Celsius Hospital. I was going to go into Boston, but they said I wouldn't have made Boston. So they brought me to Celsius Hospital. And I just remember, like, it was, Word travels like so quick between police and fire service. They was they had the roads all. There was no friggin' traffic because they had everything blocked down from uh, the scene right to Celsius Hospital. And then it was just um, the doctors taking over there. I just I didn't I didn't know what the hell was gonna happen. What um, was going through your head? My kids. Your kids. Yeah, I just Sorry. kept thinking about uh, and Kit. Like I didn't get to say. I kept asking Dickie when I was lying on the ground, like, what's, what's Kit's deal? Like, what's the deal with yeah. Kit? Like, tell me something. And he was like, he's gone. And I was like, fuck. Like, the dude just fucking killed my dog, too. Like, it was like... Yeah. And then you're getting ripped out of the woods, so I didn't even get to have, like, the... And have no time to say goodbye to him. It wasn't like he was laying right next to me. We right. kind of... Where I fell was we were making direct eye contact, so at least I could see him. But, um, yeah, that sucked. That was, um, yeah, so those are my two things. My kids, like, hopefully I, well, I'm going to get out of here alive because they need to know who the hell their father is. And then it was like, shit, now I'm leaving kid. But, you know, Dickie 
wouldn't leave Kit's side until they got someone in there. Dickie always yeah. tells that story, like, I'm not leaving this dog until someone's in here with him. I'm not just going to leave him in here. So Was that confusion for you, like, going, like, to the hospital, that, that? No, I wasn't, <sighs> I don't know. I don't know if it was confusion. I wasn't so much friggin'. I felt like I, someone like lit me on fire. I was like the pain, the pain from the tourniquet. Like, yeah, people like, yeah, getting shot must be tough. Yeah, that sucks. But the tourniquet, like, dude, I was, that was awful. That that like, you remember, you remember the feeling of that. Yeah, I remember that. Like, I was on fire, oh. and then my arm from the tourniquet. But I was in the ambulance. I'm like, you got to give me something to like. I can't do this. Is bad, and they were. Um, hit me with morphine in the, the ambulance that made it a little bit better. But um, then I just remember getting to South Shore Hospital. It seemed like there was 100 cops there. I don't even know how many were there at the time. But I remember the chaos in the um, – there were a bunch of doctors in there. And I remember, like, uh, one doctor, it was, it was legit chaos, and it was loud. I was like, it's so loud in here. And one doctor, like, stood up. He was a shorter doctor, and he stood up on, like, this something in the, in the room. And uh, he's like, everyone shut the fuck up and listen to me. And then it was kind of like everyone like calmed down. Mm-hmm. He was like the the guy, and then yeah. um, that kind of made me calm down too because it quieted down in there. And then it was like we're gonna do this, this, and that, and that kind of like yeah, that it was Are you just. There, Freddie? I was, yeah, yeah. His his version of events too. Like I like to hear like when I ask people like where were you when you were hurt? It kind of yeah. makes it kind of puts everything together for me. So yes. I like ask people like where were you when you were yes. when you hurt? Just to hear the story. Yes. So his. His just thing is pretty, yeah. pretty putting crazy. Putting those pieces so, of yes. fitting in the pieces Helps of... Helps me. Yes, putting, putting it all together for you so right. that you can sort of make sense right. of stuff. Share yeah. with us, Freddie. So we, had, we had just talked on the phone. He was doing his lawn, and um, he had a story for me. So I said, like, yeah, when you finish your lawn, give me a call. And I, um, I was out to lunch with my wife in Pembroke. And, uh, you know, my phone just started hitting like from firefighters saying two cops shot in Braintree, you know, this, that, and the other thing. I'm like, oh, shit, you know, like just thinking about it. Uh, and then the phone rang, and it was uh, Deputy Chief Want from the police. So I was like, I was like, hey, Mike, what's up? Because I need you to go and get Nancy and take her to South Shore Hospital. And uh, Billy's been shot. And I was like, I just talked to him. He goes, yeah, and they called him in. And, um, Nancy, you know, Nancy's my mother. Yeah, Nancy's his mother. I'm sorry. So I said, yeah, I just talked to him. And he goes, yeah, he's, he got called in, and um, he's been shot. And I'm like, Mike, how bad? He goes, he's going to, you know, he's, he's, he's okay. Um, he's going to social hospital. Um, and, you know, I'm a medic. So I was like, well, why not BMC? He's like, that's just quicker. And I said, well, you know, if he's not at Social Hospital when I get there, I'm going to fucking kill somebody. That's exactly what I said. And he's like, nope, he's going to Social Hospital. So I said, okay, I'll, uh, I'll go get Nancy. So I went up, I drove up to Braintree like Jeff Gordon. <laughs> it was, like, ridiculous. Like, honestly, I have a red light permit for my truck, and I was probably doing at least 100 miles an hour up Route 3, weaving in and out of traffic like a maniac. Um, my wife was screaming at me. She was afraid. And then um, I had a, I remember I had a police car behind me. And I said, oh, they were either chasing me or going to the same place. Yeah. And um, I went one way, they went the other. So I knew they were going to the incident. Um, and then I picked his mom up and, um, you know, I just said, look, I, I, he's been shot. He's at social hospital. They said he's stable, but 
I, I, I don't know much more than that. I'm just going on what they're saying. So they get in the truck, his sister and his mother and me and my wife, and we're driving. And my phone rings, and it's his brother. And um, he's like, hey. I'm like, what's up, Danny? He's like, uh, do you hear? And I'm like, yeah, I'm actually on my way to South Shore. And he's like, I heard he got shot in the stomach and the chest or something like that. And I was like, yeah, that's not what I heard, Dan. Let's just wait and see and, you know, whatever. I forget the rest of the conversation. I was still driving like a maniac. And it was on Bluetooth, so everybody in the car heard it. Yeah. And I hung up the phone, and his mother looked right at me, and she's like, are you fucking lying to me? And I was like, no, I'm not. I, I, this, I'm just going on what Deputy Chief Want told me. Let's just get there and figure it out. Yeah. So I pulled up to Social Hospital. I just parked in the lane, and I, I told the guy, he's like, yeah, you can just go in. And then I saw Billy um, on, the, uh, on the bed, and he said, uh, you know, I gave him a hug, and I kissed him, and he said, um, he killed my fucking dog. Mm. I was like, yeah. I said, but uh, you're here. And I said, you know, today's, today's the easy day. The rest of this is going to be a, my, a fucking nightmare. And it was uh, for a little while. And, uh, you know, we were able to talk, and then we, he, I know he, was, he went upstairs for, uh, for surgery, and we were able to stay. It was a surgical unit there that they kind of, like, just cordoned off for us, the family. And it took a while for everything to kind of get calmed down and stitched up and all that sort of stuff. And then um, I just remember the doc coming out, and he was unbelievable. Um, gave me his business card with his cell phone number on the back, and he just said, uh, you know, we're going to be friends. Um, you need anything, you call me. And he said, you know, Billy's going to be okay. And, this, and I just remember this overwhelming, just a dump. I had to dump, the, you know, because I was holding it all together for everybody. And he said, it's going to be okay. And I just went in this little side room and just sort of had my moment. And we got to see him. I kissed him again, which is... <laughs> yeah. I think that's probably... He's like, the get this dude only. away from me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I tried to tongue. It didn't work. Yeah. But, uh, but, but, yeah, it was, uh, you know, and subsequent to that, like, as, as a family member, like, it just... I couldn't even speak yeah. about it. Like, guys at work were great. My, my fire guys were... I mean, they love him anyway. And they were like... Um, you know, how's it going? And I couldn't even talk on the phone. I had to hang up. I couldn't tell the story anymore. I couldn't. Yeah. It just wasn't working for me. I had yeah. to I had to separate and just, you know, and I, I'll never forget it. I still have a picture on my phone, too. We were watching the Bruins game in his hospital room, and I was so friggin' thankful that everything worked out the way it did. Mm. And we were sitting, and I mean, it, I was messed up. He had poison ivy all over him. Um, yeah, he had that, poison ivy, like. They couldn't give him anything. Out of this world. Like, it yeah. was. Wow. And they couldn't give him any steroids to, to, to knock that itch down and all the swelling and everything because of the wound that he had. And yeah. Like, but I just remember sitting there, like, with this, just so, so thankful about, you know, like, this could have been a lot worse than it was. It's going to suck. But just, um, yeah, just uh, it, amazing. Um, and to watch him, like, now, and this is going to get a little weird, I think, but, you know, <laughs> watching, watching him grow into the man that he is and mm -hmm. the, the stuff that he's doing. And the fact that he wants to help people and help other causes, he's able to talk about it like that. Because yeah. both of us, we were just we're puddles when we start talking about it. But then well, yeah, I can hear your emotion. Even though you were, you were getting, I could see you holding in the emotion there when you were talking about 
Yeah, and I couldn't, that day. I couldn't do that a year ago. I couldn't do that probably eight months ago. But yeah. the foundation's given us a purpose, talking about it a lot, telling the story over and over. That's yeah. Resiliency and, and recovery and yeah. talking about all those things, moving it from here to here, right? That whole thing, right? Yeah. What is it called? The co- I'm a paramedic, I should know, but the cortex to the other thing, whatever. This part of the brain to that part of the brain, yeah. the reasoning part, and you reason. And, uh, you know, I say that all the time. I, we've said it. Because um, he lost his dad shortly after that, too. And, you know, I just said, every time you think you're having a bad day, someone's having a worse one. Yeah. And that's kind of how I push through a lot of stuff. A lot of stuff. You know, I th- every time I think it's a bad day, someone's having a worse one. Yeah. Somewhere, some way. Yeah, that's what I, I try to go <coughs> on, too, with um, I don't want people to feel bad what happened. It's been a long run. I'm working hard to get back to normal. But I don't, that's one thing people are like, oh, I'm sorry that happened. Like, don't be sorry. Like, I'm. There's a lot of people out there that have it a lot worse than me. I'm just going to, uh, even my doctor will be like, oh, you're not, you can't do this anymore. You can't do that. I'm like, I'm, I'm going to do that. You can yeah. say what you want, but I'm going to do it. But I don't want, don't feel bad for what happened. Um, it's, it, it's, honestly, it's, it does suck, but it's what I signed up for. Like, I wouldn't, I'm a, I'm a canine guy through and through. Like, that's, that's what you do. You're in, you're in bad stuff. Yeah. Um, you, you know, we were talking, you, you know, I don't mean to interrupt, but, one of the things that helped me, too, was the canine group that he belongs to. Um, they are amazing guys. Amazing. Like, they reached out to me, of all people. Like, they realize how close we are, but they were like, Freddie V, you need anything? How are you doing? What's going on? No, I'm a fucking mess. You know what I mean? I don't know what to do. I don't know what to say to it. But the fact that you were being asked that. Yeah, by them. How like, it, the, they, yes. don't, they don't owe me anything. Yes. But they knew, and they realized, and... That's that whole thing we were talking about off air in the very beginning about that, like around the table, the coffee talk, the, yeah, yeah, this is it. This is how I feel. And this is that. And, you know, and then when we started to, uh, we stayed at his house, we would take chance, uh, take turns staying at his house, make sure he took his meds and didn't do anything foolish, like go out and lift weights with his uh, stitches and stuff. But um, it just made our bond that much stronger, everybody. And, you know, I, I think so. And yeah. Absolutely. I consider those guys to me to be friends and brothers. It's, it's crazy. Like yeah. you know, like there's a whole like this mythical cop fire, uh, you know, fire rivalry yeah, type this, of thing. Yeah. Uh, I don't see it. I, I I I don't see it at all. I, you know, I love them equally, and they they they're out there doing stuff like that all the time. And yeah, you know, we have to support you. We're all we got, really. You know, to right. be honest. <laughs> because you get it. Yeah. Right. You get what what you're going through, right? Um, those same scenes, those same struggles, those same how you deal with situations, some some of you better than others, right? Um, of how you deal with situations in the, in a healthy way rather than a, a negative way and then, you know, living an, an unhealthy life and an unhealthy career. Um, yeah. And so after your, your this incident now, you know, Freddie has sort of shared with us, you know, you know ha- his perspective of that day and afterwards and, and how you've sort of bonded with a lot of the guys from the canine um, officers. Will I call them canine officers? We call them canine weirdos. I was just going to say Canine weirdos? Canine weirdos. Okay, canine weirdos out there. They, <laughs> they called you that, not me. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, but afterwards, you know... How are you now? I'm I'm good now. I'm I'm just 
being able to talk about it helps. It took me a while to be able to, certain things would just set me off and I'd get this daily reminders around my house of Kit all, all over the place. My, my daughter, my oldest daughter, always asks from, she has questions like, where is he? How come he's not here? So I deal with that. But I think, like Freddie said, the foundation gives me like a purpose to go out and yeah. and talk to people about it. I'm an open book with what happened. If I can help like any police officer get through this stuff, it's not always like some people take this job and I'm sorry, but they do. Like you just drive around in a car, you have the uniform on and nothing's yeah. going to happen. Like bad stuff happens. Yeah. Like I'm right here. Just look at me. I'm, yeah. I'm proof of that. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I, th- I think I have a purpose to help people now. I know I have a little bit of a platform to stand on. People will listen to me, and I'm, I'm going to go out there, and that's what I'm going to do, get the message out that, um, Jay, we've talked about this before. Like, it's, as before, it was like a thing, like, don't, oh, don't tell anyone your problems or that bothered you. Yeah, stuff, I sleep like shit still to this day. Like, that's not going to, there'll be nights that I'm, I'm up all night. Like, th- I wouldn't change anything in the incident, like how I dealt with the things and, my critical incidents, but you replay those steps over and over. You could be in bed and wake up, and it's you uh, marching through the woods with uh, with you guys doing the same thing. Like, it's it's crazy. Replaying it over and over yeah, again. Yeah, and it's you wouldn't change what you would do, like a tactic that you would do, but you're constantly, like, playing it. And that's why yeah. I've reached out to other guys that – that was one of my things with the first debrief, like, and nothing against, like, other peer support people, but I was like, I want to talk to someone that killed someone. Because I want to know if this feeling that I'm having is the same feeling they were having. Yep. And they, uh, it was a, an officer from a neighboring community that I'm friends with to this day that I credit him with helping me. Because I was like, did you feel this? Yes, I felt that. And there's a, there's a couple other guys that I talked to that did it that I, I want to know. Was, if I'm feeling this way, is this normal to feel this way? Or do I have something wrong with me? And that's, I think that's what people that are down the road, there's going to be more OISs out there. So lean on me and maybe I can help a guy that has questions. Maybe I'll be that guy that could help someone like, yeah. Um, like, like I was helped. So do you do, um, you know, conventional therapy too? Yeah, I was going a lot more before I kind of went to, um, a couple different ones. I did. I, I will share the story. Like I was going to therapy for a while and you know they, they constantly write stuff down. I was like, I want to know like what, what is being written down is yeah. Nothing is shit. Like, what are you writing down? I want to. Yeah. Know. I'm coming here multiple times a week. You're filling up pages of notes, but what are, what are you writing down? So then I ended up leaving, going somewhere else, and um, yeah, I probably don't go as much as I should. I kind of rely on like my friends and stuff that uh, if I'm yeah. if I'm having uh, they're therapy, right? Yeah, I, right? I I am good at hiding it. If I'm having like stuff going on, I won't tell people, which I I probably should and get better at that, which I'm trying, but um. Yeah, I'd rather call like Freddie J and just be like, "Hey, this is what's going on," but I'm I'm handling it pretty good now. So the fact that you're even recognizing that you're good at hiding it, yeah, right, yeah, and you don't want to talk about it, that's a huge thing because a lot of times, um, you know, a first responder won't recognize or or pushes that right. aside that they don't recognize that I'm hiding this. I know what I'm doing, right, and uh, and that leads to other unhealthy. Um, and unhealthy behaviors, right, right? Um, to disguise things. And um, what would you like to see, like, in departments? I mean, both of you, I could ask both of you, like, going forward, um, as far as mental health, um, if there was procedures that you would like to see um, 
resources available ideally like not only for like major like incidents like what you've both been through um emotionally um and physically but for those day-to-day stuff and then also to be prepared beforehand like what would you like to see be implemented in departments i I think my department as a whole like they are we're we're doing good things with like a hot wash or debrief after like some of the incidents I, I don't think even rise to like debrief, but they'll do them, which is, is good yeah. that they're doing it. But, um, Weymouth and Braintree both have offices that just, um, they're clinicians now and they do. Yes. Yeah. They're, and it's Christine Lydon from Braintree and Eddie O'Brien from Weymouth. They, I cannot wait to see what they do in the next couple of years with what they want to do because they help a ton of people already in this area and i just I, i'm honest i'm excited for them to see what they do because there's nothing out there that just strictly helps cops and firefighters with people that are actually doing the job it's always like you know a clinician at this place or a clinician here now there's like cops that are a certified clinician so that's going to be pretty awesome but not because it's new and we just we're just there but like hopefully we go like the dallas way yeah. with what they're doing like yeah. I let's, love that. Yeah, like, let's get ahead of this before and, and, and not be <coughs> reactionary, like, wait for the shit to hit the fan and a bad thing. Let's do what they're doing. Absolutely. So that's what I think. Yeah, I, I agree with um, with that stuff. Some of the stuff that I've done in my department is um, if there is a critical incident in the reporting system, which you're familiar with, I'm sure, um, there is a tab for critical incident, and it's either, you know, critical incident is um, – was notified, not needed, or whatever, but it'll always kind of stamp that call so that in the future, if there is some issues, they can go back and say he's been to, you know, 115 critical incidents or what are deemed as. So that's a start, right? Yeah. Um, some, uh, I think there should be a three-pronged approach, to be honest with you. I think that normalizing it, right, and yeah. availing it would be your first prong. Normalize the feelings that you can have and that you should have and that are normal, and yeah. then availing... Those things, the debriefs, the coffee, the all those things that now the peer to peer support stuff is it, that'd be your first prong, and the second one is the administrative piece. The administrative piece has to be along with this. It has Absolutely. to be financial. It has to be you know emotional. It has to be uh, you know yeah sure. You have to kind of have a little bit of a a tear down to make sure that it's legitimate. In some yeah. cases, uh, unfortunately, there are some people out there that, you know, might might try to, to jump on something, if you will. I hope that's not the truth, but I know it is in some cases. And that would give the administration piece is huge. And then the actual um, end game, the, the, uh, the resiliency, the recovery and the continued support along. That would be my third prong if I could do it. And then from a like I said before, like as a as a retirement board member, We've got to normalize it in the retirement system. We have to. We can't start using case law to judge somebody's, um, you know, emotional unwell. And if they can't do this anymore, we shouldn't punish them after putting years of service in and then saying that, you know, oh, it's not physical. I can't see it. You know, know, his arm's messed up or, or, you know, I lost a leg or whatever. And then because you can't see PTSD and you can't see these struggles, that doesn't mean that they're not there. They're an injury. And that, yeah. that's got to be normalized in the, in the retirement world as well. 
if yeah. that makes I think it also needs to be fox fostered, uh, I mean, amongst peers to peers, um, as you said earlier on at that table. Um, you know, unfortunately, I think that a lot of first responders do not go and seek help until it actually reaches a crisis yeah. situation. Yep. And, and, and that's when then it's all known. What they wanted to avoid in the first place is everyone knowing their business, right? And not, not wanting to tell anybody but it ends up coming out anyway. Yeah, that's where. But I, they need help. That's where I love that check po- the checkpoint model or the the, the Dallas checkpoint. Yeah. Check in. I think it's check in or checkpoint. But basically, it's a, it's not a, oh boy, look at that call. Let's go talk to them. It's more of a. You know, they've had a shitty week. Let's go see what's going on down that you know firehouse or police station or whatever it is, and let's talk to them about, you know those. Those four calls to the T station that we I was talking about earlier with you, yeah. you know, like or, or you know, the, the the guy that beat up his wife, and then the second guy that beat up his wife, and then the third guy that beat up his kids, and then you got you know that stuff takes a toll on us. Yeah, and just to check in and normalize that comes into my normalizing prong, but you know, just being like, hey, how's that make you feel? Well, what do you mean? It pisses me off, and this is why, and this is why, you know, and that would that's a start for us, and if we start rolling with that. I think it would really just kind of help the future it's not going to help me i'm getting ready you know but yeah but sooner than later you know it's going to help all these new guys absolutely and, and that's girls. the thing is to help those right down the road coming in make it easier for them to be able to get support so that we can have those numbers go down in suicide and first response um with mental health you know we lost alex and uh in 2018 i mean we knew he was um down he, he was he was going through a divorce um at the time he was going through those personal battles, but he was also going through some struggles in a, in a very, um, you know, unhealthy department at yeah. the time. And um, where they were all overworked, or, you know, forced overtime, constantly, um, you know, lack of sleep, all, all of the, the stuff going on. Um, but I, rem- I remember as a, a family, in, you know, with departments, within departments, I, I really don't think departments know how to handle this shit. Excuse the expression. Um, I think that's the first time I've used that language on air. Yeah, it's, we're, um, we're kind of infectious. Yeah, I can ride with you two guys, right? Um, but but they don't know how to handle this stuff. Like, what do we do? And um, but you know, we were left lost. Um, I think for a year and a half until you know, first help. We 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 discovered first help by accident and. And they sort of took us under the wing and finally we actually got to, you know, be able to interact with others, peer families who we don't want to be part of this group, right? We don't want to be, we don't want to be part of this group, um, but we are. And, uh, but we got to be able to interact with families who understood um, what we were going through, losing the first responder to suicide. Um, but departments don't know how to handle it. And um, that was a big, big missing piece of... How would you say? No compassion, no empathy, um, none of that. Um, there was none of it. Um, not even a call um, from the department at the time to say we're sorry for your loss, which would have been just even common courtesy, yeah, even from a stranger, yeah. you know, that who was, you don't know. That was one thing my my current chief, like I, he hit it out of the park with what, yeah, he did. How everything was handled from me, my family. Um, co-workers, awesome. uh, the canine guys, there's not, uh, I can't not say like one negative thing um, yeah. 
about how do you agree i do and that's that piece that that middle piece that i was talking about too that's like you got to have buy in it's people yeah it's not budgets it's not cards yeah. not fire trucks yeah it's people and yeah. that's the most important thing and not just that person it's the people that love that person absolutely so it's just, absolutely you know, that's a, you just you just hit me in the heart there yeah, um, it's Freddie. The truth, yeah. right yeah I mean, Absolutely. I'll never forget the overwhelming support that Billy got after. The town of Braintree was unbelievable. Every single aspect of it. Um, the guys on my job, the highway department, you know, just regular residents. There was just so much support. And that, you don't think that helped? That helped immensely. When you pull up the road and these people are clapping and cheering for you with flags and, you know, like... Even, like, Verizon workers, like, yeah, they have the flag set up. It's it was amazing. Yeah. It was amazing to see, and it's like... I, I'll never forget I, another time that I got really emotional was coming up Route 3 on the, the, on the ride home, and everyone was like, this is unbelievable. And I said, ah, thank God it's for him being alive. Yes. You know what I mean? Yes. And it was just, like, I, I was just so... Just overwhelmed with it all. And yeah. that's the thing. It's people. Right, people can change a lot of stuff. Yeah, and yeah, I think that, that was a big thing too. Like, I think for for a lot of us, it was like a, a funeral for an officer that was alive. If that that's how it yeah. felt, like it's always it's always tragic. It's always like a, a funeral, and it's awful. Yeah. This was kind of like that's what it had that feeling. It was just um, as we always say, Braintree is like small town America, big city problems. Like, yeah. that's how we're lucky, like, the residents love the police in Braintree. And supportive. Even yeah. Super um, supportive. I've got to mention this, too. One of the things that was amazing, too, is we had a local funeral director, Jim Whalen, that actually, when Kit, after Kit, was, um, was taken to VCA and all that, he took him in and made him a dog for Billy. That's the, co- that's the level of compassion that was there. He, he, you know, combed his hair, he washed him, embalmed him. And put him in a, a you know, in a, in a casket that was, you know, that meant the world to me. Like yes. As, as a family member, I'm like, this kid doesn't need to mm. see, you know, this the dog in that state. He needs to see him like he knew him. And then yeah. it, I think that helped you. Yeah, that was, yeah. I was in the hospital for a week, so I didn't, I didn't know what was going on. But then, like, hearing um, the canine guys, they didn't leave Kit's side. They stayed at the funeral home uh, 24-7. Oh, for days, for, yeah. Yeah, and it was... Um, yeah, what Jim Whalen did for me, I'll never forget. And those, like the the bond with the my guys, the canine guys from all over the South Shore, like it was what they did for me. I'll never forget. Yeah, it. the the it sounds like the support and the encouragement, um, you know, is definitely something that has really touched you that is going to last you for the rest of your life and 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 carry you through those tough days when. You're not sleeping. Right. You know, right. get you through those tough times. You got to check out the uh, the podcast. I told them about uh, they have to listen to this, the Dallas guys. Oh, yeah. And they have uh, ATO, um, Bridging the Divide is what it is. It's um, They're great people, great message, and the same thing. I, I told them what, what you guys are doing, not because I'm sitting across from you, but, like, this needs to be, this is good stuff. Whether yeah. it's a, a street cops or administrators like you have with Chief Del Papa, like get get that message out there because this, yeah. you guys are gonna do good things yeah. too. We we intend to, and um, 
So are you guys. I'm so impressed, uh, humbled to be sitting there having this conversation Me with too. you. I didn't know Freddie was going to have a three-prong attack. That was I pretty know, that impressive. That was pretty good, V. <laughs> um, yeah, it, it really was. And um, I think that your response to, to the traumatic incidents that you're talking about is is um, is incredible. I think it's probably it's probably rare, and I think that you're going to. You're going to do great things. Oh, thank you. Um, thank you so much for coming in and yeah, speaking with I us. Yeah, so many people we can thank, too, like down the, so you many. know, from doctors to even my physical therapist was like a, she was doing the PT with me, but she was like also my mental therapist, too, Kathy Kowalski. She was. Yeah, my, get all those like names some, out there. You no, know, yeah. but the people that you, through tragedy, I've met so many awesome people. Yeah. It's the same way, like. Yeah. It, yeah. You never want this to happen, but like the. Uh, you know what, too? The LEO weekend. Yeah. They went to, uh, there's a group out at NYPD that does, a, it's called LEO weekend. Another, here's another, like, letting the little brother in, right? So yeah. they invited Billy down. It's for officers who are injured in the line of duty traumatically, usually shots fired or something like that. And they, they invited Billy down to Long Beach, New York, for a weekend of just events that they put on uh, at no cost. And he could bring a plus one. So he's like, you got to go with me because I don't know, you know, what's, what this is all about. And I'm like, yeah, I'll go with you. You know, they asked for a bunch of stuff. And um, we get there, and this swag bag that they gave us was, yeah. it was unreal. They put Braintree Fire stuff on the, all the LEO weekend stuff. So, like, they, wow. they wanted me to feel included. And we went in there, same thing like I said earlier, Thursday night was the dinner where everybody gets together. And there was all those, like, I don't know what this guy's deal is. Yeah, what's this guy up to? Oh, he looks like a jerk, you know, whatever. Everyone's kind of eyeing each other, right? That's what cops do, firemen do it. Everyone wants to see what the hell they're all, they're all about. By the end of that weekend, right, we had kids, the guys brought the, who brought their kids, misters, why do you guys have to leave? We want to stay on the beach. And, like, we're hugging people, and, and like, we, they're friends for life. They're friends for life, and we're going back down uh, in July just on our own to spend time with those other officers. And Billy had ended up uh, talking to an officer that weekend that um, was really struggling. And to watch him interact with her mm. and make it so she was able to talk about it. And then mm. now she's know. doing, she's doing a thing like you guys are doing with yeah. the podcast help. And um, she got, uh, she had some catastrophic injuries too. She got shot. She works out in the Midwest and, um, she turned a negative into a positive, and she's helping uh, female officers that have uh, suffering what she's suffering. Uh, her story is amazing. I'll, I'll give you her, uh, Ashley Ferris. You got to look her up. Like, yeah. oh my God, she's a like an all star warrior. Her story is amazing. It's amazing yeah. when you start to get into this type of stuff. Like sure, how yeah. much good, right? Right. That you you discover um, when we're talking about our own struggles right and yeah. and even ourselves like why we got into this like us starting to to talk to each other right and then little did he know like even though he felt i was helping him he was also helping me heal sure. um from our own tragedy right and um and and that's how beautiful connections happen and um but guys i am so i mean i can't even put into words and i and i mean that um from my heart I can't put into words how much um, eye-opening it has been for me um, just to hear both of you speak like, and go back and forth, um, interacting with each other, um, and also with Jay here. Um, if 
Betty, I didn't, you know, I didn't know you before, right? But I have obviously seen you on newspapers and TV right. and the whole thing, and I have never uh, approached you. I, I said to you, I've seen you. Yeah, in I here. just pull my I've seen hat you. down and walk in. And yeah, I've seen you in, in here in the cafe, and I right. and I, I've all felt this guy probably gets approached by everywhere he goes. I'm not going to do that to him. I'm just going to let him have his coffee, whatever he's in here for, right? And I leave him alone, and um, and that's what I've done. So. Um, but I am so honored that you both have shared your culture with us, um, with me personally also, um, a bit about yourself, your healing, your struggles, Kit. Um, and Freddie, you also, you know, your struggles um, going through your whole career, um, 32 years on, on the job, and, and also, you know, how you've been dealing with that and what you're doing in this, such a positive way to be able to bring peer support and help others go through that and making talking about mental health and normal. It needs to be normalized um, that it's, it's, it's there and, it's, and the only way we can do that is keep talking about it. And that's really the backbone of, of how we started this, Jay. Right? Yes, ma'am. Was <laughs> that we... We needed to talk about it. Um, you know, there was a lot of shame for me um, at the beginning when we lost Alex. And someone, we have a picture out there on the wall, and someone would ask me, you know, who's do you know this? Ken? I was like, yeah, it's our son. And um, I wouldn't share with them how we lost him uh, at the beginning. Yeah. And then um, I'm very fortunate enough to have a lot of first responders come in here um, on a daily basis. And uh, I realized through talking from a lot of them that. Those are the first responders who are struggling. And um, and I decided that I, I wanted to talk about it and I wasn't going to be ashamed anymore. That's good. And, um, and that was the end of my shame. And um, so that's, that's where we're at. And we want to make talking about it normal on an everyday basis. It needs to. It's the only way that change is going to happen. And we're part of it, right, by talking about it today. Right. So you thank are, you so much. I, I appreciate met, you so I much. what I said in the beginning. I'm very proud of you guys for putting yourselves out there and doing this because it's just like I, I see the pride. You know, I'm proud of Billy for yeah. what he's done. Um, it's just, it's er, co- collectively, it's going to help. We need to make it normal to reach out, to say that you're not feeling right. Yeah. You say that this stuff is bad. It is bad. It's yeah. not normal to see it. Yeah. Like I said, think of the Council on Aging. If you if they saw what you saw, how would they act? Yeah. Or you know, yeah. or some some regular office worker. That not, I shouldn't downplay office workers, but someone who doesn't, who's never even seen somebody bleed, and let them, it would be a traumatic situation for for them. And we're the same people. We're humans. Yeah. Right. So, um, how what's the uh, record? Are we gonna break the record in time? Let's do this. Oh, you. The record <laughs> well, is well, broken. All right. Good. Yes. As it should be, you broken. gentlemen earned it. Hey, Jay, I want to say, too, uh, the, we met about a year and a half ago. We've known each other for a while, but a year and a half ago, we had this talk down the street of yeah. what you wanted to do, and to see you doing it now is, is pretty cool. So I'm awesome. happy for awesome. you, buddy. Thank yeah. you. I'm happy to see you doing so well, too. Thanks. That's the end of our two-part episode with Billy and Freddie. Myself and Linda want to emphasize that what first responders see regularly is not normal. Sometimes we feel different after a call. This job does change us. To any first responders out there listening, if you're having a hard time shaking off that last call, that's okay. 
We want to thank Billy and Freddie for sharing their experiences, being open about their own struggles. And we hope that if any of our listeners are struggling currently, they'll be inspired to find someone that they trust, to unload their own backpack, to seek help if needed. Until next time. Until next time.